Chapter thirty six of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter thirty six. Love. It was hours before Count Victor could trust himself and his tell-tale countenance before Olivia, and as he remained in an unaccustomed seclusion for the remainder of the day, she naturally believed him cold, though a woman with a fuller experience of his sex might have come to a different conclusion. Her misconception, so far from being dispelled when he joined her and her father in the evening, was confirmed, for his natural gaiety was gone and an emotional constraint made up of love dubiety and hope kept him silent even in the precious moments when doom retired to his reflections and his book leaving them at the other end of the room alone nothing had been said about the letter the baron kept his counsel on it for a more fitting occasion and though olivia who had taken its possession turned it over many times in her pocket its presentation involved too much boldness on her part to be undertaken in an impulse the evening passed with inconceivable dullness the gentleman was taciturn to clownishness mungo who had come in once or twice to replenish fires and snuff candles could not but look at them with wonder for he plainly saw two foolish folks in a common misunderstanding he went back to the kitchen, crying out his contempt for them. "'If yon's courtin,' he said, "'it's the drollest I've ever clapped in on. The man micht be a carven image, and leave no better nor a shifty in the pook. I hope she disna rue her chance o' mines already, for I'll warrant there was nan o' yon blatantness aboot Sim MacTaggart's, and it's no what the poor lassie's been used to.' but these were speculations beyond the sibyl of his odd adoration annapla was too intent upon her own elderly love affairs to be interested in those upstairs and upstairs by now a topic had at last come on between the silent pair that did not make for love or cheerfulness the baron had retired to his own room in the rear of the castle and they had begun to talk of the departure that was now fixed for a date made imminent through the pressure of petullo where were they bound for but france doom had decided upon dunkirk because he had a half-brother there in a retirement compelled partly for political reasons count victor could appreciate france he cried delighted this is ravishing news indeed mademoiselle olivia yes she answered dubiously reddening a little and wondering why he should particularly think so ma foi it is he insisted heartily i had the most disturbing visions of your wandering elsewhere i declare i saw my dear baron and his daughter immured in some pestilent lowland burg town moping mountain creatures among narrow streets in dreary tenements with glimpse of neither sea nor tree to compensate them for pleasures lost but france mademoiselle has given me an exquisite delight for figure you france is not so vast that friends may not meet there often if one were so greatly privileged and every roadway in it leads to dunkirk and i should dearly love to think of you as so to speak in my neighbourhood among the people i esteem 
it is not your devoted highlands this france mademoiselle olivia but believe me it has its charms you shall not have the mountains there i am distressed for you nor yet the rivulets and you must dispense with the mists but there is ever the consolation of an air that is like wine in the head and a frequent sun france indeed je suis ravi i little thought when i heard to this end of the old home of you that you were to make this new one in my country how could i guess when anticipating my farewell to the highlands of scotland that i should have such good company to the shore of france then you are returning now asked olivia her affectation of indifference just a little overdone in very truth he had not as yet so determined but he boldly lied like a lover twas my intention to return at once i cannot forgive myself for being so long away from my friends there olivia had a bodice of padua soy that came low upon her shoulders and showed a spray of jasmine in the cleft of her rounded breasts which heaved with what count victor could not but perceive was some emotion her eyes were like a stag's and they evaded him she trifled with the pocket of her gown ah she said it is natural that you should weary here in this sorry place and wish to get back to the people you know there will be many that have missed you he laughed at that a few a few perhaps he said clan carty has doubtless often sought me vainly for the trivial coin some butterflies in the coulisse of the playhouse will have missed my pouncet box but i swear there are few in paris who would be inconsolable if victor de montaillon never set foot on the trottoir again it is my misfortune mademoiselle to have a multitude of friends so busy with content and pleasure who will blame them that an absentee makes little difference and as for relatives not a single one except the baroness de chenier who is large enough to count as double and there will be there will be the lady said olivia with a poor attempt at raillery for a moment he failed to grasp her allusion of course of course said he hastily i hope indeed to see her there he felt an exultation simply at the prospect to see her there to have a ghost's right to bid welcome to his land this fair wild flower that had blossomed on rocks of the sea unspoiled and unsophisticated the jasmine stirred more obviously it was fastened with a topaz brooch that had been her mother's and had known of old a similar commotion she became diligent with the book it was then there happened the thing that momentarily seemed a blow of fate to both of them but for mungo's voice at intervals in the kitchen the house was wholly still and through the calm winter night there came the opening bars of a melody played very softly by sim mactaggart's flageolet at first it seemed incredible a caprice of imagination and they listened for some moments speechless count victor was naturally the least disturbed this unlooked-for entertainment meant the pleasant fact that the duchess had been nowise over-sanguine in her estimate of the chamberlain's condition here was another possible homicide of his mind the gaelic frame was capable obviously of miraculous recuperation that was but his first and momentary thought the next was less pleasing for it seemed not wholly unlikely now that after all olivia and this man were still on an unchanged footing 
and mungo's sowing of false hopes was like to bring a bitter reaping of regretful disillusions as for olivia she was first a flame and then an icicle her face scorched her whole being seemed to take a sudden wild alarm count victor dared scarcely look at her fearing to learn his doom or spy on her embarrassment until her first alarm was over when she drew her lips together tightly and assumed a frigid resolution she made no other movement a most bewitching flageolet it languished on the night with an overmastering appeal sweet inexpressibly and melting the air unknown to one listener at least but by him enviously confessed a very siren spell he looked at olivia and saw that she intended to ignore it orpheus has recovered he ventured with a smile she stared in front of her with no response but the jasmine rose and fell and her nostrils were abnormally dilated her face had turned from the red of her first surprise to the white of suppressed indignation the situation was inconceivably embarrassing for both now his bolt was shot and unless she cared to express herself he could not venture to allude to it again though a whole orchestra augmented the efforts of the artist in the bower by and by there came a pause in the music and she spoke it is the blackest of affronts this was her comment that seemed at once singular and sweet to her hearer d'accord said count victor but that was to himself he was quite agreed that the chamberlain's attentions though well meant were not for a good woman to plume herself on the flageolet spoke again that curious unfinished air never before had it seemed so haunting and mysterious a mingling of reproaches and command it barely reached them where they sat together listening a fairy thing and fascinating yet it left the woman cold and soon the serenade entirely ceased olivia recovered herself count victor was greatly pleased i hope that is the end of it she said with a sigh of relief alas poor orpheus he returns to thrace where perhaps madame petullo may lead the ladies in tearing him to pieces once that hollow reed bewitched me i fancy said she with a shy air of confession now i cannot but wonder and think shame at my blindness for yon orpheus has little beyond his music that is in any way admirable and that is the gift of nature a thing without his own deserving like his like his regard for you which was inevitable mademoiselle olivia and that the hollowest of all she said turning the evidence of it in her pocket again he will as readily get over that as over his injury from you perhaps it is so the most sensitive man they say does not place all his existence on love tis woman alone who can live and die in the heart there i dare say you speak from experience said olivia smiling but impatient that he should find a single plea in favour of a wretch he must know so well i consider me the exception he hurried to explain i never loved but once and then would die for it the jasmine trembled in its chaste white nunnery and her lips were temptingly apart he bent forward boldly searching her provoking eyes 
she is the lucky lady said olivia in a low voice and then a pause she trifled with her book what i wonder is that you could have a word to say of plea for this that surely is the blackest of his kind not admirable by my faith no not admirable he confessed but i would be the last to blame him for intemperately loving you there i think his honesty was beyond dispute there he might have found salvation that he should have done me the honour to desire my removal from your presence was flattering to my vanity and a savage tribute to your power mademoiselle olivia oh cried olivia you cannot deceive me count victor it is odd that all your sex must stick up to each other in the greatest villainies not the greatest mademoiselle olivia said count victor with an inclination he might have been indifferent to your charms and that were the one thing unforgivable but soberly i consider his folly scarce bad enough for the punishment of your eternal condemnation this man thinks lightly indeed of me thought olivia drimdarroch has a good advocate said she shortly and the last i would have looked for in his defence was just yourself drimdarroch he repeated in a puzzled tone will you be telling me that you did not know she said for what did simon mactaggart harass our household i have been bold enough to flatter myself i had dared to think she stopped him quickly blushing you know he was drimdarroch count victor said she with some conviction he jumped to his feet and bent to stare at her his face all wrought with astonishment mon dieu mademoiselle you do not say the two were one and yet and yet yes pardieu how blind i have been there's every possibility i thought you knew it said olivia much relieved and felt anything but pleased at your seeming readiness in the circumstances to let me be the victim of my ignorance i had too much trust in the wretch women distrust men too much in the general and too little in the particular and you knew asked count victor i learned to-day said olivia and this was my bitter schooling she passed him the letter he took it and read aloud i have learned now said the writer the reason for your black looks at monsieur the wine merchant that has a nobleman's crest upon his belongings it is because he has come to look for drimdarroch and the stupid body cannot find him we know who drimdarroch is do we not sim monsieur may have sharp eyes but they do not see much further than a woman's face if the same comes in his way and simon mactaggart they're telling me has been paying late visits to doom castle that were not for the love of miss milk and water sim sim i gave you credit for being less of a gomerel to fetch the frenchman to my house of all places you might be sure he would not be long among our indwellers here without his true business being discovered drimdarroch indeed now i will hate the name though i looked with a difference on it when i wrote it scores of times to your direction in the rue dauphine of paris and loved to dwell upon a picture of the place there that i had never seen because my sim just fancy it was there you were just a wee soon with the title my dear traitor my bonny spy it might have been yours indeed and more if you had patience yes perhaps and doom forby 
as that is like to be my good man's very speedily. What if I make trouble, Sim, and open the eyes of Monsieur and the mimoured Madame at the same moment by telling them who is really Drimdarroch? Will it not gar them grew, think ye? Count Victor stood amazed when he had read this. A confusion of feelings were in his breast. He had blundered blindly into his long-studied reprisals, whose inadequate execution he was now scarce willing to regret, and Olivia had thought him capable of throwing her to this colossal rogue. The document shook in his hand. "'Well,' said Olivia at last, "'is it a much blacker man that is there than the one you thought? I can tell you I will count it as a disgrace to my father's daughter that she ever looked twice the road he was on.' "'And yet I can find it in me to forgive him the balance of his punishment,' cried the Count. "'And what form might that be?' "'Because, Mademoiselle Olivia, he led me to Scotland and to your father's door.' She saw a rapture in his manner, a kindling in his eye, and drew herself together with some pride. "'You were welcome at my father's door. I am sure of that of it, whatever,' said she but it was a poor reward for so long a travelling and now my grief we must steep the withies and go ourselves to the start of fortune like any beggars no no said he and caught her hand that trembled in his like a bird olivia oh god the name's like a song je t'aime je t'aime olivia i love you she plucked her hand away and threw her shoulders back haughty yet trembling and on the brink of tears it is not kind it is not kind she stammered almost sobbing the lady that is in france petite imbecile he cried there is no lady in france worthy to hold thy scarf it was thyself mignon i spoke of all the time only the more i love the less i can express he drew her to him crushing the jasmine till it breathed in a fragrant dissolution bruising her breast with a topaz End of chapter thirty six